Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. Today, once again, we are really excited to have a special guest, and I asked Greg to look far and near and far to find an outstanding guest, and uh, how far did you have to look, Greg, to find today's guest? Just in my own home. <laughs> she was right there. Uh, indeed, indeed, she was. We're talking about Beth Miller, uh, Greg's wife, and we're just thrilled to have Beth with us today. Welcome, Beth. Mm, thank you. It's good to be here. And this is exciting because, um, one, this this is the first time that um, Beth and I together have been a part of the Faithful and True podcast. But what also is true, this is the first time um, that Beth has been a part of the podcast here. So we are very glad that you are here. Mm, thanks. Well, for those of you who have been listening, you're aware of the fact that we've just been going through this process of identifying our values here at Faithful and True. And really what we hope is that this isn't just something unique about our organization, but that these are values that we have incorporated into our lives because we see the importance of them in our own journey. And so today what we're going to be talking about is the value of faith and spirituality. And for those of us here, um, that's just a significant part of who we are. We all came to this place with our own faith journeys and What's also true is because of the work that we've done in recovery, it is it has enhanced our faith journeys and in many ways transformed them. So, Beth, we are very glad that you are here. Mm, now, you. one of the things that I know about you is that this is a significant part of who you are um, and that a part of your journey was growing up in the church and, in fact, being a, a pastor's daughter. And so mm. for you, what what was the role of faith growing up? Mm. Yeah, so I grew up literally next door to the church in the parsonage, and I was around the things of God a lot. And we were good Southern Baptist in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and often in between. And I'm really thankful for my heritage of faith in a lot of ways. Um, I had a, a good foundation of understanding um what it meant to be in relationship with God. What's also true, though, is that sometimes I think I um, substituted being around the things of God versus being with God. Mm -hmm. And um, as, you know, uh, we were wont to do, we did a lot mm -hmm. for God. And... So an important piece of my journey over the last several years has been coming into understanding more of what it looks like to just be with God. Mm -hmm. And that's actually had to, I've had to even back that up and learn how to just be with myself. Absolutely. Think, to just be. I think for those of us who grew up in the church, um, it is very easy to begin to believe that our faith experience is about what we can do for God. Mm -hmm. And there can be this laundry list of the things you're supposed to do and not do. And so our faith can easily get translated into a behavioral experience versus, like you're saying, this idea of being. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I know about you is that um, the hymns that you grew up with mm -hmm. um, are incredibly... Um, comforting for you. There are mm -hmm. times when going back and just hearing those hymns really does nourish your soul. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a part of how you celebrate the heritage um, that you have and, and the gifts that your mom and dad gave you growing up and being a part of that preacher's home. Yeah. Yeah, we sang a lot 
and I am very thankful. Um, while there are some things from my heritage of faith that um, maybe no longer work, that are more black and white, I absolutely have taken uh, hymns with me, and there are various strains of, um, you know, just uh, phrases of, you know, one that comes to mind is prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, Mm -hmm. prone to leave the God I love. And, you know, that reminder that God is regularly wooing me into this place of um, my home really is in God. That's, That's my place of blessing. And that was a big part of my own journey when our crash and burn mm-hmm. happened 15 years ago, I think what I, um, as I began to have the capacity to do some of my own work, I realized that my identity was more in who I was as a wife or who I was as a mother, who I was as a leader. And when you know the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, you have to kind of look around and explore, um, okay, so what is my identity? Mm-hmm. And getting to that place of understanding my sense of identity really and truly is as a beloved daughter of God, and nothing changes mm-hmm. that. Um, actions of someone else or choices that I make, and one of the things we talk a lot about here is this idea of blessing. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful that I am um, growing in that realization of God's blessing on me and on my life. And I don't have to work to do that. I don't have to do anything for that. And I have to continue to say yes to it because Mm -hmm. I am prone to wander away, Mm -hmm. you know, from believing that that is my identity. Well, you've kind of alluded to this. So, um, Fourteen and a half years ago, our life exploded, and at that point, um, you were on staff at a church. You had just finished a seminary degree, and mm-hmm. you had been a part of a program of kind of spiritual development and and just personal development. Mm-hmm. So, how did um, one? How did the internship that you were a part of kind of prepare you for this next season of the journey after life exploded? And what's been the the impact or the trajectory of your spiritual journey after the explosion? Well, as I look back on the fact that, you know, what actually took us to Chicago was me being in that seminary internship program, I have often thought that that was one of the many ways that God went before me to care for me Mm -hmm. and to love me well, to really kind of set me up in an environment that, Yes, I would I would know I was, you know, obviously going to experience deep pain from what was happening with us and I was surrounded by people that were able to walk a journey mm-hmm. with me in some profound ways. And it was in that experience through the director Cheryl that I began I think to have an understanding of what it looked like to practice healthy grieving. Mm-hmm what it looked like to even explore that um, some of the hard things that come our way, some of the dark nights of the soul, um, they are painful and they can be an invitation Mm. to what God may be wanting to do to 
develop us and form and shape us. Not that God causes those right. things. And for whatever reason, they were allowed. And so that um, having that framework as sort of a foundation for what then would happen a few years later, I think was so significant. And I feel so grateful that um, it gave me an, an opportunity to maybe move through that differently. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one of the images that I have for myself is this idea of needing a strong enough infrastructure within myself to carry the pain that I have been wanting to avoid. Mm-hmm. So as I've, I've done the work over the last 14 and a half years, and even prior to that, um, I was developing this stronger sense of self that allowed me to then move towards the pain that I'd been avoiding. And in some ways, I think as I I reflect on our story and your story, that time in the internship was strengthening your sense of self Mm -hmm. so that um, when life exploded, you had the capacity um, within yourself and also in this community to move through all of the chaos that my choices and decisions had made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One of the um, the resources that Cheryl uh, encouraged me towards was a beautiful book called A Grace Disguise. Mm-hmm. And in that book, the author, Jerry Sitzer, talks about this idea of a first and a second death. And first deaths, he says, are those things that come our way that maybe they're of our choosing, you know, an action that we've taken or something. But a lot of times it's it's random. It's things that um, someone in our life is killed in a car accident, which was what happened in his situation, or, you know, other actions that affect us. And we have no control over those first deaths that come our way. What he goes on to say, though, is that the deeper tragedy possibly is the second death mm-hmm. of our heart, of our soul, and our spirit that we allow because we don't go after healthy grieving. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't allow ourselves to see what possible invitation God may have for us to form and shape us, you know, to help us understand how we've been coping. Mm-hmm. Um, what those protective mechanisms are that are, you know, so just in kind of rock solid in place in our lives. And that gave me such a different perspective, really a vision for how we could move through this differently. Not, not that I did that well all mm. the time by any means. And it was such a good, different vision. Well, and I would say, you know, kind of why do we value faith and spirituality? It's because our faith is what makes it possible for us to steward suffering when it comes our way. Absolutely. You know, um, I have this this thought, this belief that, you know, when we're thinking about an addictive culture, the addictive culture is not about having access to things that somebody can be addicted to. The addicted culture comes from the belief that suffering um, is it's possible to avoid suffering or that pain is avoidable. Because if I believe that pain is avoidable, then I'm going to look for those things that can minimize, manage, or deny my pain, which will then lead to the addiction. The, the great hope of the gospel isn't that we will be saved from suffering. 
it is that we won't be alone in our suffering, mm-hmm. and we don't have to be defined by our suffering. I think that this idea that who Jesus is, he is beyond our suffering and enters into our suffering so that we are not defined by our suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think this capacity to move towards our pain is significant. Um, one of the... Um, theologians that you and I had a chance to hear a few years ago, James Finley. Mm -hmm. One of the things that stood out to me so much from that workshop we attended that day was the idea that we can move towards our pain and then we can move back to the source of love. Mm -hmm. And which that was a, a name that he coined for God, which I think is a beautiful name for God. But isn't that such a just a good image, this idea that we move towards our pain and suffering with love and then back to the source of love. Mm-hmm. And that allows us to do it in ways that um, don't swallow us whole mm-hmm. and uh, to not move towards our pain, like you were saying, creates so much other chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of back to this idea of the second death, the the great tragedy is not that we are hurt, that we suffer, that people die. The great tragedy is when we allow that to define us from mm-hmm. that point on. And we, we, in our attempt to avoid the pain, begin to be defined by the pain. Yeah. Or we believe that the pain is all there is and we get stuck in it. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one of the things that um, I, I love and celebrate about you is that on this journey, when our life exploded that there was a desire for you to to move beyond it, not to ignore it, not to deny it, but to name it and not be defined by it. And in many ways, it has shaped and formed your own journey. And part of what you decided was that you wanted to get more training and development as a spiritual director. And so you went and went back to school. And so just tell us about what it what it was in you that desired more training to be a spiritual director, and then um, exactly what what that is, what that role could be in somebody's life. Uh, well, the uh, there are many ways to define spiritual direction, but one of the ones that I like the most is the idea of creating space to sit with someone as they listen for God's movement in their life. And so you hold space for them to do that. And because I had been on the receiving end of that um, and had experienced that, that was so significant for me to sit with someone who would allow me room to maybe question God Mm -hmm. or um, feel angry at God, um, whatever that was, or maybe to... um, invite me into reframing how I saw God or saw a situation where my first glance might have been that I didn't think God showed up. Mm -hmm. Spiritual direction offers the space and the the freedom to take a second glance Mm -hmm. to see, okay, how else is it possible that maybe God is present in ways that I wasn't looking for. Mm-hmm. And that that has been so impactful in my own life. And so 
I really wanted to um, go back to school and get trained to learn to do that in ways that were helpful for other people. And one of the joys of this work that we do is being with people um, really for a season. Um, there, there's the initial season of the triage mm-hmm. when painful things happen. You know, there's a crash and burn. There's a discovery. And um, part of what I love so much about this work is getting to stay with people for the next two, three, mm-hmm. five, seven years because you get to watch people make a turn in the bend. Mm-hmm. And what initially was about some very specific painful things, if they stay the course of this work, becomes so much more about becoming who it is that God is calling them mm-hmm. to be. You know, learning these deeper um, awarenesses of uh who it is to be their wise adult self, emotionally and spiritually healthy. And that, to me, is is such a, a benefit of this work, mm-hmm. right? That we, we get to follow along with people as they are doing that. And, and spiritual direction is an important piece of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can just create space to help people in that journey. Well, and, you know, we, we talk here that, the goal of recovery or transformation or redemption um, is to become the person that God created us to be. And for so many people who come to Faithful and True, they are people of faith. They have an understanding of, of who God is. And what is also true is for many of them, they are held hostage by the lies that they believe about themselves and the lies that they believe about God. In fact, when I talk about shame, I talk about it in the context of shame is about the lies that I believe about me and I believe about God. And one of the things I see pretty consistently that people need is just space to be honest about where they are with God, that that invitation towards authenticity. Um, I know in my own life and in the life of a lot of men that I work with, those of us who grew up in church, the challenge is we learned how to Um, live our faith before we could live it, and we were taught what to believe before we could Mm. believe it. And so there was this this separation between what was going on internally and what we were expressing externally, and that inconsistency separates us from God. And truly, I believe that, that authenticity is what God desires more than anything. Whatever is true is true, and you know what I hear you saying is spiritual direction helps to create the space that people need in order to to give themselves permission to be in their truth mm-hmm. about their beliefs about God and their experiences with God. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I I think is such an important principle of whether it's um, spiritual direction or just sitting with a spiritual mentor, mm-hmm. sitting sitting with a spiritual companion. Um, David Benner in some of his writing refers to it as spiritual companionship. Mm -hmm. People that are on a similar journey that invite you to slow down because at mock speed, there's no way we're going to hear ourselves and hear God. Mm -hmm. And so that's such an important piece of this is learning to, um, 
to physically slow down, to stop and pause, to set an hour aside, you know, to mm-hmm. really listen for what's going on in me and how I'm attuning my spirit to God um, and can really invite us then into the process of surrender. Mm-hmm. And that's so much of, of this journey mm-hmm. of, of letting go and surrendering into God's desire for us. Well, you know, we started talking about, for many of us, it's our tendency to want to kind of do God, do our faith. Mm -hmm. And the invitation is really to be. And that's also true about recovery. So many of us want to do recovery. We want to be told these are the behaviors, do this, then this will happen, and this will, you know. And, And we're drawn to doing because there's a simplicity to it. And yet, really, it's not about doing recovery. It's about being in recovery. Mm-hmm. It's learning to be with myself and to be with others and to be with God. And I really think that that's one of the foundational principles here at Faithful and True is that, yes, we're going to talk about behavior because if if we're in a dangerous behavior, we need support, we need um, guidelines, we need boundaries to stop that behavior. And yet there's so much more beyond that about the being Right. And the scripture talks about abiding and, and um, giving ourselves permission to slow down and be with ourselves so that we can be with God. Yeah. Greg, I'd, I'd like to input a, a point that we uh, address on a regular basis when someone is calling with interest to either counsel with us or come to the workshop. And that is, they know that we are a faith-based mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. And and yet there's apprehension because they right. might be of a certain faith. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, Mark was always one that Mark was quite ecumenical mm-hmm. uh, in in his approach. <laughs> and in fact, there was a he kind of had a hot button. He and he enjoyed working with. I mean, he worked with some pretty um, high up Catholic clergy mm-hmm. um, in in that field. Uh, so uh, Catholics, Protestants, Lutherans, uh, and and we have a number of clients that are Jewish. Mm-hmm. So the door is wide open when yeah. it comes to faith. You know, we we're believers in in uh, we all have our personal strong faith. We are all uh, believers, mm-hmm. and Mark's the powerful statements that you and Mark have always made. Uh, the one that I think strikes home with so many of the men that come is that there's no sin that God is unwilling to forgive us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where our faith. Uh, it, that's the opportunity that we get to display our faith is when we tell them that that. That creates a, a, a real sense of hope mm-hmm. for so many that are struggling. Well, and, and I would even say that um, for all of us, you know, faith has been a significant part of our own journey. So we're going to live out our faith. We're going to teach out of our faith. And we want to create a safe space where people get to be where they are in their own faith experience. So we're not going to impose on someone else our faith. Right. We're going mm-hmm. to invite them into this journey of discovering um who God has created them to be and what their faith experience may be. And and that space, like Beth, you were identifying, that we can create for others may in many ways give them permission to really engage faith from this new place or maybe in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I talk some about the idea of spiritual practices. And um, how would you define that and, and what could be their role in recovery? Well... Spiritual practices um, are contemplative ways or sometimes creative ways 
to engage our faith in some experiences that maybe are different from mm-hmm. typical things such as reading our Bible for the sake of knowledge, which is a beautiful reason to read. And like there is the spiritual practice of something called Lexio Divina. Mm-hmm. And that is a beautiful way to engage the scripture from a heart place. Mm-hmm. From um, just for example, reading a passage four different times and listening for a word or a phrase that stands out or listening to a way that God may be inviting us into mm-hmm. something. I think whether it is something like Lexio Divina, breath prayer, centering prayer, um, there's a variety of different, like literally hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tend to, again, invite us to slow down and to engage God from a place of our heart that maybe um, is less defended. Mm-hmm. And they have been such a, a an important aspect of my own growth. I would also say this about spiritual practices, though. Um, they are the pathway. Mm-hmm. They, they aren't the destination. Right. You know, they are one tool of seeking to connect with God in deeper ways. And so um, no matter how it is that we're trying to listen to ourselves and listen to God, um, that connection there is what is uh, primary. The tool itself can be a way to get us there. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's true is that specifically in the men's workshop, the women's workshop, and the couple's workshop, there are um, times where we incorporate um, a spiritual practice as a part of the the process of inviting people to connect to God yeah. wherever they are. Yeah. Well, it has been great being with you. <laughs> <laughs> the the conversation just flows because of you know over thirty years of practice mm-hmm. in talking. So. Right. <laughs> That, that says something about our recovery. Yes, it does. <laughs> no, <you're... laughs> well, Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you you were a, a great guest for us, and we look forward to doing this again uh, in the near future with you. Um, we hope that today's uh, show for all of our listeners has been uh, enjoyable and beneficial, and we hope that the coming week is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision. Mm-hmm.